0: Welcome to Guitar Villains. I'm your host, Tyler Larson. Why Guitar Villains, you ask? Because villains are cooler than heroes. It's just a fact. This is a podcast by guitar players for guitar players, and over the course of this series, we'll speak with some of the most creative and innovative minds in the guitar community, find out what makes them tick, and how we can become better guitar players ourselves. Thank you for watching the video podcast here on YouTube, and you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Today's guitar villain is Tommy Emanuel, one of the most musical guitar players you'll ever hear and one of the best storytellers I know. Tommy has been dropping the jaws of audiences for decades with his impeccable acoustic guitar playing that sounds more like an entire band than just one person. The flawless rhythm, unreal technique, and a way of playing that just makes you laugh, Tommy's musicianship is captivating in a way that will inspire you to pick up your guitar or maybe just set it down and watch. Tommy's way of explaining things and his storytelling ability is is another testament to his world-class talent So you may find yourself coming back to this one over and over on this episode of Guitar Villains Welcome to Guitar Villains, the show where we deconstruct and decode the guitar. And Tommy, I just want to let you know that you've done a lot of amazing things in your career, but there's one thing you were able to do that maybe nobody else in the world could. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Basically, you made John Petrucci, the immortal lord of the electric guitar and maybe one of the strongest men I know you made him cry
1: oh uh, yeah that was at new york town hall i remember it well john was in the front row with his wife and she told me that he cried several times and she's never she's been married to him for 28 years or something and she said i've never seen him cry ever
0: <laughs> so, it's <laughs> it's quite a quite um, a feat there and the only reason i know that is he was on the show and he told me that little story and uh, I mentioned that you would be on the show, and he was like, "Tell Tommy I love him. Say hi." And uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, so that he's a
1: great guy. You know, he came to Australia. Um, I think it was for Ibanez, and um, it was a long time ago. It was about 1993, mm-hmm. and um, I think he was playing with Alice Cooper in those days. And anyway, so I get a call from my friend. Uh, Um, a retailer, guy who was putting on a a clinic, a a workshop with John Petrucci. And he asked me, he said, would you, would you, are you free? I said, yeah, I'm free tonight. He said, could you come down um, and be in the audience, you know, just to give us a little um, excitement and maybe ask some questions. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. John, John came out. And he played two songs in a row with some backing tracks. And he played so beautifully, real creamy distortion. And mm-hmm. I love what he played and how he sounded. And then he goes, anybody got a cigarette? And then he bummed a cigarette or someone lit it. And he goes like this he goes, ask me some questions. <laughs> That's pretty I, cool. I cracked up laughing. I thought, "When? what a way to start a workshop, you know. Yeah.
0: That might be the best way, and we want to mention um, there's a little bit of fall allergies in the air. We're, we actually both live in yeah. Nashville. I don't know if you you knew that. Um, I, I'm here in Nashville, and right. I got some fall allergies. You got so you're not you're not sick. You're you're trooping through this no, this sick. interview, um, but yeah, I wanted to let voice. people know you have like kind my of voice. a a raspy debonair uh, voice <laughs> going on, perfect for podcast.
1: <laughs> oh god yeah i just answered a whole bunch of questions um for some other things and i sounded like i was on death death door you know yeah. i'm in my death bed but i feel great you know it's, great. it's a good temperature today yeah and uh, i'm happy to be speaking with you
0: thank you yeah so we do uh things a little bit differently on this show we're gonna play some games i'm gonna try to get to the bottom of what makes you tick as a musician and hopefully hey. we'll have a great time and Next time you're you're playing out in Nashville, I'd love to I'd love to come see you. So this show is called Guitar Villains because I think villains are cooler than heroes. I've always found their characters are deeper and more memorable. Uh, so the first thing I want to ask you is, out of all the movie or comic book villains out there, would you say you identify with any one villain the most? And that could be something as simple as appearance, or something as nuanced as a character trait. Um, well, I can give you my answer first, and okay, and, let me for, hear yours. and then you can you can you know either agree or give me your answer. Uh, I think you are like Ren- Renee Bellick, who is the main antagonist from Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Are you familiar with that Ooh. character?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> he's yeah.
0: he's highly intelligent. He possesses a great many treasured artifacts and uh he's a world traveler and that's just like you i think you're highly intelligent not just as a musician but as a person and you have some unbelievably cool guitars i'm sure some treasured guitars and uh, i I think you've probably traveled the world 10 times over and you've got a pretty suave Mm. and and cool persona i think like bellick does oh
1: well thank you um i would say i relate to um Gene Hackman in Superman.
0: Oh, good one.
1: He was he was the bad guy, and he was full of great humor. Uh, he was totally evil, um, <laughs> but full of humor. And uh, even when he got beaten, he was still cool. You know. Yeah, totally. And I think I'm a big Gene Hackman fan. I thought he was incredible um, in the movie Mississippi Burning.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: he's an amazing actor. And you go right back to the uh, late 60s to bon, Bonnie and Clyde. He played uh, Clyde's brother, and uh, he was brilliant in that, too. Gene Heckman is a great actor.
0: He's amazing. I loved him in uh, in Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first things first, I have a couple softball lobs for you. I call this segment Burning Questions. <laughs> So these are rapid-fire questions that if okay. you were to conduct a live master class where anyone could ask you questions about yeah. anything they want regarding music, these are questions they would ask. Yeah. What gauge pick do you use? It's uh,
1: it's about, um, let me have a look. It's pretty heavy. It's. Uh, here's my pick. One point five millimeters
0: Wow, is that a thumb pick or a regular one
1: that, that's a that's one of my signature. if I dig in my
0: pocket, this is what I have. Oh, you got a lot of picks in
1: there <laughs> yeah, I always have lots of picks, but this is my signature one.
0: great oh that's an interesting shape there It's like kind of round almost yeah it's
1: based is based on David Grisman's mandolin pick
0: mm delightful. All right. Yeah. Uh what gauge strings do you use?
1: 12 to 54 and 13 to 56. Depends on like one of my guitars. I tune down I tune down a whole step mm-hmm. and sometimes down to drop C. So I uh, I I use big strings on that 13 to 56, but on my other two guitars, uh, I travel with three guitars on the road. Mm-hmm. But um uh, the Two of them are 12 to 54, uh, and I use Martin strings, um, some Deodario strings, and uh, sometimes Ernie Ball's new string called a Paradigm. That's a great string, best string they've ever made.
0: Yeah, the unbreakable one. Uh, what is your number one guitar?
1: It's made in, uh, made in Australia, and it's called a TE Personal. And um, so it was made, handmade. Mm-hmm. All three of my guitars that I tour with were made in the custom shop at Maiton by a man named Andy Allen. And uh, he knows what I like and he's always full of surprises. He, he gave me this guitar that I've been using lately, the last six years or something, um, and it's thinner in the body and it has a smaller sound hole than the other ones. But it's much bigger and louder, you know. Hmm. On my new album, if you listen to this, like the very first song, it's a song called um, A Song for a Rainy Morning. Uh, the guitar sounds so beautiful and says, you know, it really it does everything I'm looking for.
0: I was just uh, listening to that song before we were chatting because it's raining here a little bit. All right. <laughs> Um, so I, this segment is actually, I, I typically have electric guitar players on here, but I'm still going to throw this one at you. What's your favorite okay. guitar amp?
1: Uh, old, old Fenders. Okay. I so like Fender amps.
0: Old Fender. What's your favorite guitar pedal? Um,
1: I guess I've got some homemade distortion units, which help you to get a big distortion sound at a lower volume. Um, and they're made by a friend of mine in Los Angeles. And that's all he does. He makes pedals. He's retired from his work. Mm-hmm. And I think I have three of his pedals. And they're so good. doesn't sound like you're using a pedal. It just sounds like the amps really cranking.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. a good quality in a distortion pedal for sure. Yeah. So I the first... Big question I want to ask you is something that really intrigued me when I was doing my homework for this episode. You once mm-hmm. said that half of Jimi Hendrix's albums were slightly out of tune, yet we only noticed it when Stevie Ray Vaughan came along and covered Hendrix, and he was in tune, and yeah. that we realized like the mojo and feeling in Hendrix's music. Which, as a huge Hendrix fan, it was like such a brilliant analysis and a revelation to me. Can you talk a little bit more about mm. how like imperfections are actually what can project mm-hmm. people to the place they're meant to arrive musically?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, everybody has their own way of of bringing the mojo out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, when I hear Stevie Ray Vaughan, I hear that he's so in tune. When I listen to Chet Atkins, I hear tuning perfection, you know, Eric Clapton, tuning perfection, the guys are so good, but yet there are like, there are some people, like for instance um, you know, James Taylor as a singer is right in the middle of the note, mm-hmm. he is such a perfect singer, you know, like Stevie Wonder, people like that but then you go to a guy like Rod Stewart, who sings a fraction sharp the whole time, but he's got a There's something about that that's so good and feels great, and and you've got to really listen. But everything is a fraction sharp, and it's just how he is, and that's his sound. I I can hear the vocal, and you think, wow, it's really in tune. Mm -hmm. But then you keep listening, and you'll hear it—it's slightly above. Do you think that's just—it's just just a—it's his sound. The same thing with Michael McDonald. You know, he's a great singer and a piano player. He never just leaves a note like that. He, his, he always tails off. Da, 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 da. He'll sing a note and it falls away.
0: And yeah, like a slur of some kind. Yeah, everybody has their,
1: their little ways of doing
0: things. Do you think that that's um, something that you purposefully develop? Or, or how, how would you go about honing something I like that? I think it
1: just becomes part of your sound mm-hmm. that you're used to. You know, mm-hmm. I'm used to being in tune. I hate it when I'm the even the slightest bit out. My whole world is off center until I get it perfectly in tune. And so, you know, I'm really sensitive to, to tuning and the times that I've had to play where there was nowhere in the song that I could get to a machine head to turn, you know, in the middle of a phrase or something, it drives me crazy. So I just got to get to the end and then fix it, you know.
0: You almost maybe like alter a phrase that you're playing so you can make a little space for totally. the tune. <laughs> yeah, I'll, maybe, I'll,
1: maybe when my strings has gone sharp and I'll, and I'll try to give it a tug when I'm playing. Oh. Things like that. And if it's flat, then I'll push push it up with the left hand, you know. Chet, Chet Atkins had a, uh, a Brazilian guitar called Del Vecchio, which was a resonating guitar, mm-hmm. and the intonation was pretty funky. And I saw him push that thing into tune every time he played it. It sounded perfect. Jeez. But I knew it wasn't in, exactly in tune, but he made it that way.
0: That's so hard to do. I saw uh, Steve yeah. Vai broke a string on a Floyd Rose guitar, which, yeah. of course, everything goes insane. And yeah. he, he was doing just what you're saying. He would be bending a, a note and then using the whammy bar to manip- – like he was holding the whammy bar in a certain position so that the, right. the strings became – the tension was correct. And, yeah, uh,
1: he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, what a guy.
0: So now I want to play a game called Name Those Notes. The concept is pretty simple. I'm going to play you a sequence of guitar notes from songs and music that you have recorded over the years. And you have to tell me what song these notes come from. So you're going to see how well you know your catalog and how well you can recognize your guitar playing. <laughs> it'll uh, it'll spur some conversation about the songs, too. And uh, everyone I've, I've played this little game with so far has had a similar reaction to yours, which is like, oh, no, what have I gotten myself into? But I think you <laughs> might surprise yourself. So we're going to start with something easy that I think you'll get and things will get progressively more difficult. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Here is the first bit of notes. The Ruby's eyes. Nailed the it. Yeah. <laughs> so this song, it feels like a, like a film score, like some yeah. kind of secret agent is chasing after the antagonist. I, I don't know why it gives me that feeling. Like the, something in the harmony... Obviously, it's not like an aggressive song, but there's something, there's a mystique about it. Can you talk a little bit about this tune?
1: I watched a James Bond movie called Moonraker, and it had one of those chords that's in that song. I I found that chord, and I loved it. It sounded great. And I wrote the song because of that. Then the next day, I was in the lounge at the international airport in Sydney, ready to fly to Singapore, and I, I had my eyes closed and I was playing that song, all of a sudden I heard a little voice singing along with me, and I opened my eyes, and there was this beautiful little girl, about three, maybe four at the most, if that, and she was dancing from side to side and she was singing that melody with me. And, of course, the first thing I did was look around for her parents because I'm a parent too. Yeah. And I saw them standing over there and they waved to me and they pointed to her and she's okay. So I said, well, what's your name? And she said, Ruby. And I thought, Ruby, I've just written you a song. (laughs) And And that's where I came up with the title. And I still am in touch with Ruby. She's... Fourteen or something
0: now, fifteen. Wow, that's a that's a beautiful little story. I think I I think I know the chord because I okay. This is a really strange
1: it's a B with a G in it. That's this is, it is, is a
0: really strange thing because you said uh, James Bond. I I have so I have the uh, the sound effects that you're hearing. They're all labeled, and I have this one written as 007 Ruby's Eyes chord, and this is the, and it's this last chord here. That's it. That's the chord. I was like, that feels like I'm in a secret, like a secret agent movie. So we got another group of notes. You ready? Yep.
1: That's um, uh, back on Terra firma, the
0: bridge part. Yes, indeed. Do you remember where that particular performance was?
1: Yeah, it was uh, at the Olympic Games in 2000 in Sydney. And you know what? I, I Once I found out that my brother and I were going to be on that show, I, I said I, I chose the song back on terra firma. And I I went to Nashville and I mastered it and made it sound big and, and uh, the backing track because mm-hmm. my brother and I were going to play live over the top which we did with line six pods wow. that we used. And um, so I, I went and mastered it, got it down to two minutes and 46 seconds, which is what every artist was, was allotted. Huh. And I had the master with me. I was about about to fly Nashville to L.A., L.A. to Sydney, and I got out to Nashville Airport with the master in my jacket pocket and I'm standing in line to get on the plane, and I thought this guy standing in front of me with long, long blonde hair. I tapped on his shoulder, and he turned around, and it was John Jorgensen. And
0: he <laughs> wow. was going
1: back to LA, and so we end up sitting side by side. And I, when we got on the plane, I said to him, "John, Phil, and I are going to play on the closing ceremony of the Olympic Games." And we're going to play back on Terra Firma, and he burst into tears. He cried, and he was so thrilled because he wrote the song. Right, and it was so appropriate for that event.
0: Yeah, how how serendipitous to run into him. How about that? And and I don't know if you know this, two point eight five billion viewers were watching yeah. you.
1: Pretty uh, yeah, and nothing to get nervous about.
0: <laughs> you didn't look nervous. You looked like you always look. No they're
1: having a good time
0: yeah great cool story let's move on to the next group of notes Uh, drive time nice they're getting a little harder you're not wavering i love i love this little turnaround in this song it's yeah it, it gives the song like a. it's it's a center For people to cling to, do you ever envision your songs as like little adventures? Like, I, when I listen to your music, I find as a listener, I'm always on like this little ride, but there's, there's like a pull off from the highway on the same pit stop that I'm used to kind of getting off on, which is really hard to do instrumentally to keep your listener in that comfort zone.
1: I I started writing that song because. I was walking around the house playing that little thing, E, C-sharp minor, F-sharp minor, back to B, E. Yeah, so when I was writing it, um, uh, I had been listening to a lot of uh, James Taylor and Stevie Wonder, and uh, they, that, they inspired me so much. They still do. You know, there's not a day goes by that I don't listen to at least a couple of James Taylor songs. Uh, his writing has inspired me so much. The same with TV Wonder.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my wife's uh, favorite music. One of my her favorite in, in her whole side of the family, really. It's oh, a yeah. favorite because they're from Carolina. Um, and they're, yeah, the, you know, going back to Carolina is like their anthem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Today's episode of Guitar Villains is brought to you by Guitar Super System. Are you tired of YouTube ads telling you that YouTube guitar lessons suck? Me too. I don't know about you, but somebody setting an acoustic guitar on fire or teaching crappy cover songs in front of a musty black curtain feels a little disingenuous to me. I'll get straight to the point. Join tens of thousands of other guitar players and visit guitarsupersystem.com to join the most popular independent guitar learning platform on the internet. If you're a beginner, there's an entire curriculum called the Beginner's Corner just for you. If you're an expert, the music theory and technique curriculums reach the highest levels of mastery and are based on industry standard learning methods I've used since graduating Berklee College of Music. If you're somewhere in the middle, you're actually the perfect candidate. The Choose Your Destiny approach allows you to cater your learning experience to exactly what you want to accomplish, whether that's improving your improvising, ear training, learning new techniques, songwriting, and more. You'll also have access to private live streams, lesson comments, and a community forum for feedback, as well as exclusive giveaways and new curriculum releases the best part is everything that I just mentioned is included in one monthly subscription and you can cancel any time or like a lot of people do upgrade your subscription to a yearly pass of course you can also just learn guitar right on YouTube for free because YouTube guitar lessons don't suck if you know where to look so check out guitarsupersystem.com now back to guitar villains alright we got two more little groups of notes this one is next You ready Yep. Here we go. A little tricky here. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you play it again?
0: Yep, and I have a longer version if you need that.
1: That's um, that's me and my brother together. I think it is. Yeah, it's a Shadow's
0: tune. Yep, The Savage. The Savage, that's it, yeah. Wood I Song's Old Time Radio Hour, that's when that was. All oh, right.
1: I, don't, I had never heard that, so I knew I was playing an A, uh, yep. an A chord, and strumming it. Dun- 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 yeah.
0: yeah, just judging by your guitar playing, it seems like your inclination, this is just me, analyzing it seems like you're inclined to learn uh at least the bass and rhythm guitar parts simultaneously like the bass guitar and rhythm guitar which i think is a testament to how important ear training is and like people don't want to hear us tell them like oh back when we were learning guitar there was no youtube to see where to put your fingers and obviously i think youtube is a revelation and, and wonderful you know, for learning and we can do things like this with technology, mm-hmm. but I always try to encourage people to exercise their ears when they can and kind of put that restriction mm-hmm. on themselves. Um, would you agree yeah. that's maybe like the most important part of guitar playing is having that strong ear?
1: Well, I I can't understand anybody who doesn't want to have an ear for music. You know, how can you not recognize A? Mm-hmm. You know? Duh. Now, go back back a fret. That's A flat. G, F sharp, F, E, A.
0: Do you have relative pitch or perfect pitch?
1: Yeah, I have relative pitch. Relative. So you
0: have have that tone. You can kind of hear where the A is. And maybe when you hear another note, you're like, all right, where is that from A? You can kind of figure it out that way. Well, for instance,
1: the Beatles version, the original version of yesterday, is in the key of F. So... Yesterday when when you when you hear it, uh, you know that's F. Uh, that's E. Uh, F F sharp
0: G uh,
1: A B flat, you know. Yeah. I could do it if I had a throat.
0: <laughs> it sounds beautiful. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, here we go. Last uh, last group of, of notes. You ready? This is right, a tough yeah. one. This might be a tough one, it might be the easiest one. It's quick. Ready? Here we go. Uh, somewhere Over the Rainbow. Very nice. You went five for five.
1: <laughs> Thank you, brother.
0: Yeah. So uh, you've described playing guitar on stage, and that's from a live cut of you playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Um, you've described playing guitar on stage as the greatest drug you know. And yeah. I know that this past year has probably been hard to, to deal with for somebody like you who lives yeah. on stage mm-hmm. almost. And I, I, I'm optimistic exactly. we're through the worst of it um, you know things seem to be trending the right direction so with that in mind can you tell me about a time you know on stage that you maybe haven't shared before that particularly particularly stands out in your memory?
1: Um, You bet Uh, it was in Russia and um, uh, some people came to the side of the stage with a massive big red heart with We Love You on it and, and they put it on a stand and then they went and took their seats. And it was just so moving to me that they went to all that trouble, you know. And um, uh, I had a great time there when I was in Russia. People are amazing, they really are. And uh, Poland is the same. Um, I've got too many good memories. I can't remember them all, but. You know, touring to me is the happiness business. Mm. You know, I play and you get happy, and that's a great job. And I'm, I'm grateful to my maker every day that he made me a musician and someone who wants to play for people.
0: You so, are, you're one of the few guitar players I've ever heard that, and I'm sure you've heard this before, people tell you this, but when you play... I just like smile and laugh yeah. (laughs) and that's a rare quality.
1: You know, it's not about trying to watch my technique, right? My technique should be invisible. You know, it's Mm -hmm. about the music. It's always about the song. And when, when people say, you know, what are you looking for or whatever? There's only one thing I'm looking for and that is to play well, Mm -hmm. because if I play well, I'll please myself and i'm pretty sure you'll be pleased too Mm -hmm. so you know it's all about showing up you know dress up show up and do your best and um i always do that and and you know i remember um there was a great tennis player named ivan lendl who won wimbledon many times back in the 80s and the journalist said to him what was your most humiliating time on the court, mm. and he said, I've never been humiliated because I always gave my best effort. And some days I just didn't come up to where I should, and sometimes I, I did it. So the answer to that is because I always gave my best effort, and that's how it works for me. Mm-hmm. I give, do my best and hope that, you know, the mojo will show up and the magic will happen and I'll be flying my kite um, and there are other days where, you know, if you're just not in the zone, and the, and it's like everything's a chore, then you better have some good songs to play because that's what's going to get you through.
0: Yeah, well, you have plenty to choose from on that front. I I really love how effortless and like how much fun it looks like you're having. Um, oh, absolutely. And and you know your your technique's unbelievable, and and you're such a musical. Player, but one of my favorite parts about you is actually like your songwriting specifically. Yeah. I feel like sometimes that can go overlooked maybe when when guitar players are talking to you, they want to know about you know some 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 things beyond what they are able to play, but the songwriting is just so difficult to be proficient at, and I think that's really an underrated part of of what you do. Well, what you're a-
1: very right about that uh, That's for sure, brother. Um, uh, writing songs is the hardest thing. You know, it's easy to to write something with a lot of notes and a lot of changes and, you know, I could probably write you something right now, but it it wouldn't have any meaning, you know. Mm -hmm. And to tell a story and to take the listener somewhere, musically without words, is something that I've been working on all my life. And and that's why I don't write a song every day because uh, I'm not always that inspired. Mm-hmm. I've got other things that I'm doing, you know. Um and, but I write when I'm inspired.
0: One of my favorite songs of yours is called The Mystery. And oh, um you. I just I just love the way the verses have this chromatic descent that doesn't feel chromatic necessarily because of the way you lead, lead the voicing. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like the mysterious version of Blackbird, which is like my favorite Beatles song. Right, um, oh,
1: it's a beautiful song, Blackbird. If you listen to the the mystery, um, I had been I had been listening to uh, Alison Krauss and Union mm-hmm. Station, their album Let Me Touch You for a while, or something like that, that song and that, that album, mm-hmm. and I was very influenced by them. Um, I was also, I was getting over a divorce Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: was difficult and I had met a a young lady that I was very taken by and I had made up my mind that I was going to contact her. And so I was emotionally in a good place Right, and that's where the song came from. Wow. uh, It's also in the G6 tuning.
0: Oh, cool! You use a yeah. lot of different tunings. I know. I know you mentioned a couple of drop tunings, and yeah, I don't
1: use as many as people like, you know, Vicky Genfin or um, or Annie McKee. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, they use Dad Gadd a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't play anything in Dad GAD. It totally confuses me. <laughs> um, so I just use normal tunings, or I tune down right to get that. You know, and a lot of people think I'm using unusual tunings, but I'm not. It's just the way I play it and write. Well, it is makes it sound like it's an open tuning.
0: Isn't it so interesting how, how just tuning down a whole step can almost transform your playing yeah. in a way? Because of it the changes way. everything. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I love it. Um Me too. you're you're really you're really proficient at guitar, but what I also appreciate about you in videos I've watched um, over the years and as an educator myself, is your knack for explaining things and teaching. Do you have a secret background as a guitar instructor, or, or does that just come naturally <laughs> to you? Because uh, not no. every great player is a great teacher. So it's something that I notice a lot.
1: Sometimes it's hard to explain some things that I do mm-hmm. um, uh, because, you know, where I grew up, what I was listening to, what I care about. All my instincts and all that stuff. It's di- we're all different, you know. Could you get me a water? Thanks. Thank you. Just getting some water for my throat. No worries. Yeah, and so, thank you, brother. When I write, I'm think I never think like I'm just writing a song for me to play on the guitar. I I think I'm writing for a singer and a band.
0: Mm, yeah. So that's definitely uh, an element of your playing that is unique to your your playing style because you're kind of you're almost uh, I don't know if you like this term but one man band definitely can be something you can mm-hmm. fit the bill for if you wanted to um, yeah. I actually have an example of that that I clipped out that I'd like to play for you and then maybe you can use your your, your teaching skills to explain what the heck is going on here ready?
1: alright Yep. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I, that was just you doing it was that. Just me, yeah.
1: I play the brushes on the face of the guitar. I scratched it up with a screwdriver. I I mashed it up, mate. Scratched all the front up. So when I rub my hands over it, it goes like that. And then I play the bass. I hammer the bass with my left hand. So I get those two going, and then I sing over the top of it.
0: A screwdriver. So was that? did that give you any anxiety to take a screwdriver to your beloved instrument or is it just a tool to you? You don't care.
1: Then then, then it became useful.
0: (laughs) That's a good way to think about it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just a guitar. It's a piece of wood.
0: That's, that's the ultimate. uh,
1: I do. I do love
0: that guitar. mm -hmm. I miss it.
1: You know, I I get it back tomorrow. It's just been refretted because I, I wore those frets out. The last three
0: years, right on. That's that's exciting. Yeah, I love when my guitars go to the spa. That's what I yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: guitar spa. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of that.
0: Uh, all right, cool, man. Well, we have a, a few few questions that I like to ask all the guests here as we wind down. What is something that you've learned most recently? It doesn't um, have to be guitar related. It can have to do with
1: anything. I've learned. Um, I've learned that I'm not in charge that uh, I have to surrender my will uh, because you know there's a there's a power greater than me in the universe and it's running running the show not
0: me I think we've all learned that recently <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is the hardest thing and the easiest thing about the guitar
1: well the guitar fits in anywhere um, you can play any kind of music with the guitar. You can give people a good time just sitting and playing a few tunes, um, um, but it is challenging and you have to keep working at it. If you get lazy, you'll pay the price because you won't be able to play what you normally play and you'll have to really push yourself and then you won't feel good about where you're at. So even if you're not working, you still got to put in some serious time with the instrument if you want to be any good. It takes a lifetime to get good at anything, Mm -hmm. any instrument.
0: Great advice. What are you working on right now that you'd like to tell potentially a million people? Um,
1: I've got some recording to do uh, with Rob, um, Rob Ikes and Trey Hensley. Um, we've got some songs we want to record. And uh, my friend Richard Smith, who lives here in Nashville, who's actually originally from England, uh, him and I are going to record some songs as well. So that, that's my next two recording projects. Um, and I have a movie coming out. Uh, I don't know exactly when they're going to release it, but I did the, with with a co-writer, um, I did the soundtrack to a new, a new film called Tiger Rising, and um, um, we. Were, uh, I wrote it all on my iPhone, and just kept it in um, voice memos. And I would write the piece and put it with the film, see that it all worked. Then I'd just text it to um, Don Harper in Los Angeles, and he would um orchestrate it and and all that and uh last month uh, i had two days in the studio uh, and i recorded all the guitar parts for the whole film and then the third day we went into uh, oceanway studios here which is a big church and we recorded uh, the 22-piece string uh, orchestra and overdubbed them over the top and and so we got the whole film done in three days.
0: unbelievable mm. that's that's not easy to do. I mean studio no, sessions you got a lot of work. you got to have all your ducks in a row for something to move that quickly. but it
1: was great that that um, actually it was great that we had this uh, lockdown situation mm. with Covid nineteen because I, I had to stay indoors and work on. My my film, so it gave it worked in a good way. It was a, it was a, a, an, um, it actually helped me out by taking all the pressure of you know traveling and all that stuff. Uh, got rid of all that, and I just concentrated on the film, and so I got it all done.
0: Tiger Rising, can't wait to to hear yeah. what happens next with it's that. Got, um,
1: Dennis Quaid, Queen Latifah. Uh, it's, it's a great cast and the two main actors are kids, 10 year old kids a girl and a boy and they're really good
0: i call you Tommy Hollywood now we're good <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was on a, br- a blues cruise me and Buddy Guy and, and uh, um, Joe, <clears throat> Joe Bonamassa and we were doing this blues cruise and I played a solo show uh, and a lady came up to me and she looked a little bit familiar and I kind of thought I knew her face and she said, oh, your music's great and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to send your, I'm going to send some songs to my brother because he makes movies and it was Steven Spielberg's sister.
0: (laughs) I've heard of him. (laughs) That's, that's a very serendipitous.
1: Yeah, she was real nice.
0: Great. Uh, A couple more questions for you. What is your favorite Airplane album. What's your favorite thing to listen to? Flying on an airplane.
1: I usually like. Um, I'll play the country music one or the rock and roll. Like if 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 they've got if they've got uh, on board music already, there you know, I'll go through and find what they have. And they may have R and B, they may have jazz, country, bluegrass. I'll I'll kind of swap around. Until I find what
0: I like Cool Build a band What four others in a band Living or dead Would you want to play with So It's a five person band You're on guitar Who are the four other members
1: Oh okay um, Well Let's see um, Abraham Laborial on bass Okay Stevie Wonder on keyboards Steve Gadd on drums and uh, Alex Acuna on percussion.
0: Wow, what a band. (laughs) These are, I I love asking people these bands. They always turn out to be amazing bands. Uh, All right. Finally, to loop in your guitar supervillain alter ego, I have one final question for you. what do you believe about the guitar that most guitar players would think is crazy? This could be like a hard truth guitar players need to hear or something you know that others don't or a misconception about uh, the instrument or whatever you want.
1: I think people, especially guitar players, they think, they think too much about um, the fact that you know, you've got to play with a band, you've got to have the power of a band. Um, I believe that uh, you know I I can change the world by the way I play music, uh, and I believe that, that just the fact that I'm playing an acoustic guitar doesn't mean that it's not powerful. You know, you got to think I've got something good to say to my my homies. You know, my my brothers and sisters out there. Yeah. I got something good to say to you. Here it is, and I just believe in that. Um, I don't believe that I have to be compared to other people. I don't believe that people are missing the bass player and the drummer and all that. When I play on my own, it's just you feel everything and that's how it should be. And you just just do your best. And, you know, really what really counts the most is the quality and integrity of what you do and that you put 100% of your honest effort into it. It's like the truth, you can't resist it.
0: Very wise words. So Tommy, as we wind down here, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be on Guitar Villains.
1: It was great fun to talk about some different stuff too. So I appreciate that.
0: Of course, it's been an honor to talk to you. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing what treacherous plots you devise next in your musical endeavors. (laughs)